Welcome to the HU Pirateship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. I'm your host, Big Rick, along with Hamptonite from the HU Pirateship. What's going on, Hamptonite? Happy New Year. Oh, man. Happy New Year to you, my brother, man. 2016, I'm glad it's over with. I mean, oh, 2016 was a year of just straight anarchy. And hopefully 2017 will be all about peace and love and you know, just salam, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Po- positive attitude. So, yes. um, yeah, so folks, you know, a lot of folks been asking, hey, what's up with the podcast? It's been a while, a uh, couple weeks. Uh, we actually tried to put one together over the break, but we had some technical difficulties, and it was a holiday. So we said, you know, we'll just tackle this in the, um, in the new year. So we are back, and uh, we'll be back on track for 2017. So uh, we got a busy show today to kind of make up for lost time and, and catch up on what's been happening with Hampton and some of the other things in the MEAC. So today we're going to just talk about the uh, closing of the football season, look at the loss to North, uh, Norfolk State and Coastal Carolina, just talk about the football season in general, uh, talk about the MEAC final standings, um, MEAC postseason, and then give an update on uh, men's and women's basketball. So yeah, man, let's get right to it. So we won't go into into uh, in depth about the final two losses for the football team, but they did close up the season on a losing note. They lost to Norfolk State seven ten to seven uh, seventeen to ten, and then lost to Coastal Carolina twenty six to seven. So two bad losses to end the year. Coastal was somewhat expected, but that game was a little more competitive than what people than what the score indicated. Uh, but that loss to Norfolk State is pretty devastating, man. Any thoughts on those two games? Well, first, um, Norfolk State, I mean, this is a game that you're supposed to get up for. And unfortunately, uh, Hampton basically just laid an egg. And the reason why I say this, I, I, I feel personally that, you know, I, I, the players understand that this is a rivalry, I would say so. But I just think that Norfolk State looks at this game more as something that they they want more you know hampton has always had this um this oh we can just beat norfolk state you know those 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 people on the cross of the bay you know they're just a bunch of reprobates you know i mean (laughs) all we could do is just show up and this and you have to understand this too i mean norfolk state plays with the spirit and a candor about them and unfortunately, Hampton just went through the motions. And sometimes, you know, you can't blame all this on coaching, you know. These players are going to have to play. And when you have uh, – and I was pretty shocked that, you know, Jalen Williamson, he grew up in the Chesapeake area and the Hampton Roads area. So he knew about the actual game. A lot of these players do. And they still continue to lay an egg. And to be honest, Norfolk State, you know. They, they wanted this game, you know, and uh, I mean, it was uh, it was like Rashawn Proctor, you know, you could tell, you know, he's from the area because he caught had 99 yards and um, and five catches. Uh, TJ Mixon, you know, really played well. And unfortunately, Hampton just I mean, the previous weeks, you know, Hampton played a pretty, pretty solid game and we were hoping to come into Norfolk, I mean, have Norfolk State come into Armstrong Stadium and us to at least eke out a close victory, and we didn't. And to me, it just goes to the point, it just shows that maybe some of these kids do not, did not take this game seriously. And I know the coach has probably stressed it, um, harped on it, harped on it, harped on it, and you cannot put this on coaching. And I just yeah, I felt, yeah, and I just felt that the, these kids didn't want this game. You know, they probably were just thinking about who's performing at the concert afterwards. <laughs> That's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, the, I mean the players, the seniors, they got to take ownership on that. And uh, yeah, man, I agree. So that that was pretty bad uh, to close the season. Um, so yeah, man. Um, you know, so w- what we can do is now that the season is over, it's been over for quite a while, but. We can do a season review now, um, where normally after each game we look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. But for the season, we're going to also take a look at the good and bad and ugly for the season overall. So let's do a quick uh, season review of the football season. So start out with the ugly, man. So for me, uh, the 
low point may have been that loss to uh, Norfolk State again. Um, that was a big game. Um, I think the team uh, regressed uh, from last year, even though the record in conference was okay at five and three. Um, it's kind of hard to look and see that you know the team was better in certain areas or or this. this I can't say like next year they have this thing to build on. Um, I don't know about what the foundation is of the team right now, and um, the turnovers, man. The team was minus ten in the turnover margin. Now with Maynard being the offensive guy, offensive coach, I know he stressed the importance of taking care of the rock, but uh, that message just did get not get through man so they were pretty sloppy with the ball so i mean those things were quite ugly and uh you know those turnovers hampered them all season including that loss in norfolk state um so i mean i, I found those things to be quite ugly man any any other th- uh, ugly things uh to mention from this year um no i think you hit the nail on the head uh the norfolk state game definitely was a very ugly loss um norfolk state is struggling is a struggling program and I think Hampton historically has always played down to its competition. And I think we definitely played we played Norfolk State's game, you know, a close game where we just kind of let them hang around and then they beat us, you know. And Norfolk State, you know, you tell the guys they wanted it more. That was very ugly and it was very bad. I'm also say that <clears throat> the way that we lost to North Carolina's A&T on national TV, national mm. television, I thought was a, I thought was a harbinger for how things were going to come, you know, later on in the program, you know, because we actually held Tariq Cohen, you know, to very few yards from scrimmage, and unfortunately, the offense just could not muster enough points where you know could give the defense a rest, and unfortunately, the defense could not hold them for that long, you know. I mean, we did not sustain any drives offensively. And so that was just a very poor outing, you know, especially when Hampton brought his band down there, down mm. to Greensboro. And, you know, this was a, um, a nationally televised game. <coughs> and and, and I, dr- I drove to that game, too, man. So, actually, yeah. I, I put that in the, out of my memory. <laughs> so, thanks yeah. for reminding me about that one. <laughs> Absolutely. And I had family members who drove all, drove all the way up from Atlanta, Georgia, to Greensboro just to see the team lay an egg. You know, that is something I think was, I mean, and the thing it was, we had a, um, I think we had a, we, did we have a bye week? We, I mean, I mean, I mean, because the Howard game was that, uh, was a Saturday and that was on the seventh. Oh no. It, well, yeah, it was on the seventh. It was on the 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, uh, A&T game was on the 29th, which it wasn't a full two weeks, but it was at least. A full week and uh, think about five days. Yeah, like and, yeah, a week and a half. Yeah, you had a week and a half to prepare, and the offense just consistently laid an egg. And I would just say that the um, the game in Tallahassee, you know, it just got got away from. Oh us, God, that one know. too, man. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, and <laughs> and the fact we almost lost Savannah State too, you know, because they were up late in the fourth. So. I mean, we got away with some. And, I mean, we almost lost to Savannah State and South Carolina State because remember, uh, I think uh, one of the 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 punt returner fumbled the ball on the two yard line. Oh with yeah, man! With like a minute left in the game, and they uh, they um, scored a touchdown and almost and did not convert the two point conversion. But this whole thing, you know, we were prop we were like mistakes away from being a three and what a three and 18, yeah. you know? So, I mean, there are good things, but the worst thing was Norfolk state. And I mean, it's just, I mean, I think the way that we ended the season just made, just, you know, left a very bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I mean, it was so poor that I've actually forgotten about it. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just moved on to the next sport. Yeah, it's like when's, ba- when's basketball ready? <laughs> yeah, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yikes. Okay, yeah, so that is pretty ugly, man. So the bad. So I guess these things may be considered ugly, too, in some cases. But uh, let's move on to some bad uh, lowlights of the season. Um, team finished under 500. They were 5-6 and six overall, 3-5 and five in the conference, which tied them for third place. 
So I guess that's a consolation prize. But at any rate, we're all, everyone is always striving to be at least 500. Um, but again, close the season with two straight losses. Um, I think this is another snafu here, man. Maybe they knew something I did, but this is kind of like setting the table for what you think your team could be. But I think scheduling Coastal Carolina during the opening week of the playoffs, you know, that kind of lets you know what they were thinking. Like, it was like Celebration Bowl or bust. But, you know, a lot of teams, you know, they'll actually schedule. When you look at their schedules, they will include the playoffs in their schedule just to say, hey, that is our goal and aspiration. But we just took that off the table with scheduling this Coastal Carolina game. So I think that was a not a good uh, decision uh, by the team. And I also think the early T.J. Mixon injury, they didn't talk about it a lot, but um, that was a deep threat. And um, that I think that changed the way defenses uh, played us because the deep threat really wasn't there with Mixon. So I think that hampered the offense quite uh, and, you know, in a really uh, bad way. Uh, Proctor did step up, but that Mixon injury hurt because he was preseason all everything. Um yeah, man. So, so, you know, I think those things are pretty bad, man. Anything else to add to that list? No. I, I mean, I think we covered it all. <laughs> I mean, it was just a lot of bad stuff. Um, unfortunately, we can't say J.J. Williamson was bad, you know. I mean, I, he performed to the best of his ability, and, I mean, he got us out of some tight spots, you know. But I do feel that um, – that was probably one of the areas where, had it been David Watford at QB, we probably would not have been five and six. We probably yeah, that's would true. have been maybe you know, at seven and four, maybe eight and three. But yeah. um, hey, also, but, did you see that Watford? He got the uh, contract for next year with the Philadelphia Eagles. At absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and you can tell he deserves it because uh, he uh, he did well in preseason. And uh, I think he probably will be an asset going forward, you know, as he learns the, um, as he learns, you know, I guess, uh, Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson's often. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to him. Yep, true. So, you know, it wasn't complete doom and gloom for the season. Uh, there were some good things uh, that the team did and the program did this year. So let's go over those things. Uh, Rashawn Proctor, first team all MIAC. Uh, he led the league in receptions. It wasn't even close. So he was the best receiver in the league by far. I'd be interested to see what kind of camps he gets invited to because I think he should at least be uh, uh, you know, in some uh, pro training camps uh, next year. Um, Yaki Johnson, man, he came out of nowhere. Second team, all MIAC at, at running back. Fourth in the league in rushing. Uh, probably he was the most exciting player on the offense this year. Uh, Jack Willenbrock, our man at the tight end watch. Second team all MIAC, first in passing yards uh, for tight ends. Um, Faber Kenny, he was second team all MIAC in punting. Hold JJ. on, before before we go there, how uh -huh. was he second team when he just got invited to the FCS uh, bowl game? That you is... know he was great, but you know he wasn't dominant like he had been. Yeah, you know he he had some shanks and some mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he didn't was... miss a few. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but you know, given that what do you say to uh, one of the other earlier podcasts, he is a decathlon, so yeah. I would take a shot on him at least to see what he can do. But yeah, he's a great athlete, and when he's on, he's on. But he he missed more than than we're used to him missing this year. I I, I can agree. I I can agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. JJ, he was third team all MIAC. So hey, man, I know we got on JJ a lot. But like you said, I think he performed to the best of his ability. So he gave everything he had to the program. Uh, just his limitations caught up with him. But I think the man did as well as he could possibly do. And that was he was rewarded with a third-team All-MIAC um, selection. Um, Van Dyke at linebacker, the missile from Virginia Tech. He was third-team All-MIAC. Hopefully he'll be back next year. He gets that extra year eligibility. Brendan Cole, uh, he was third team on MIAC at uh, defensive back. Um, also, Eric Carter had a big year after you know the pretty devastating knee injury he had last year. So he was a nice um, uh, workhorse running back for the team. 
team had a pretty, um, you know, they were, they they finished in total offense and defense right where their record was in the MEAC. Third in total offense and total defense. And they had the number one pass offense, which is pretty cool. And, of course, the highlight of the year, I guess, since we didn't win the thing, was beating Howard. So, whenever you beat Howard, that's always a good thing. And that kind of balances out that loss to Norfolk State. So, yeah, that good list, you know, the good list was longer than the bad and the ugly list, man. So, I think there are some things to hang the hat on, man. Anything that I left out there? No, you didn't leave out pretty much um, anything. Uh, All of these players, you know, performed well. You know, Jack Will and Brock, I don't see how he got second team on MEAC, you know, if he's first in passing yards. You know, Yaki Johnson... Yeah, he did come out of uh, nowhere, and he just played extremely well. Um, everyone else, you know, I do think that, you know, we did have a good um, a number one offense because, uh, I mean, I just think that's just a testament to Maynard and, you know, what his abilities are. Um, we did, I would say we pr- pretty much had a turnover-prone offense, especially in the red zone because we ran the same plays um, all the time. You know, a little toss to a wide receiver for a fake uh, – <laughs> For, for a, I think, a wide receiver touchdown pass, you know. I yeah. mean, even Stevie Wonder knew it was coming. So, <laughs> but um, I'll just say this. Yeah, we beat Howard. And to be honest now, I mean, the way that Howard's program is, you know, if if you do not beat Howard by more than 20 points, and that's considered a letdown. Um, <laughs> but as far as the good, I think, you know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head on everything. So, uh, I think that, you know, hopefully, and I don't think any of these guys will be back next year except for Yaki and maybe, uh, is Van Dyke still um, still eligible? We know Carter is. Yeah, yeah, he, Van Dyke has, I think that he's looking for like a medical red shirt or something. Like, um, because he had all the injuries, Yeah, um, yeah. he's looking for that. He has technically an extra year, but you got to apply for it. So yeah. I think it's still okay. on the table. Okay, so, yeah. well, yeah, we do have Eric Carter, and you know, it looked like he was getting back healthy from that catastrophic knee injury he had. Mm-hmm. He suffered in 2014, but um, I mean, there are some out there, some good things that we see. So I can say all I can say is that uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with all of them. Yeah, and and I just wanted to add on, expound on one thing you said about Maynard and his offenses. I mean. I, I, that's why I'm hoping that he can get it together and get the team in the postseason. Because one thing his offense has been able to do, I think the MEAC teams kind of understand what he's doing, but outside of the MEAC, the team moves the ball. Like, his offense is a multiple. You know, he does a lot of things. It's not like your static, you know, chuck and duck uh, MEAC offenses, you know, which are easy to defend. Outside of the conference, you know, he presents defenses with a lot of things. So, if he can get it together and get in the postseason in some sort of way, I think he can do some damage like he did at Winston-Salem State. But, man, he just got to get through the regular season first <laughs> and, and put together a winning season. So, But I am always impressed with at least the concepts of his offense. The execution isn't always there because of the players, but his concepts are, like, on point, man. So Yeah. Yeah, shout Absolutely. out to Maynard with his concepts, offensive concepts. <laughs> and you know what, his concept, you know what, and, and Jay Walker said it perfectly. His offense is fine. He just does not have the players execute it properly. And when he does, they don't last long because David Watford was there only a year. Yeah. And um, he just has, and Jor- Jarrell Antoine, I thought, was his probably heir apparent. And, you know, he just did not, you know, he just couldn't stay eligible. So. Um, he does have the proper offense. I just don't think he sometimes has all the skill players that he needs. Yep, agree. Agree. So let's look at 2017, man. What is the outlook uh, for the football team? So what's the word on Maynard? I think his contract is still good. Um, to date, seems like everything is in place for him to come back. I haven't heard of any staff changes. So I think the coaching is in place. Um, what do, what do the team, what does the team need? I think they need everything. Like there isn't one position where they can stand pat and be like, are we good? But the glaring holes on the team for me are quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, kickers, and punters. So if anyone's looking for a place to park, I think Hampton would be a good place. If you have any of those skills, I think we need all those things. 
Um, I'm, I'm just worried about, you know, can the team uh, progress uh, from this year? I'm not really sure what the team is going to hang their hat on. Maybe it has to be a running game um, because those are the strongest areas coming back for next year. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of progress is made next year and what kind of team comes back next year. Uh, because I think the conference is going to be wide open. Um, I think Central is going to come back to earth next year. And I think A&T is going to come back to earth now that they don't have a uh, Cohen. And they're losing a whole lot of production. So I think next year is going to be a year to make some hay and actually win the MIAC. Um, if we can put together you know, a, a team and add some uh, new pieces. And then just uh, our out-of-conference schedule that, that's out. Um, next year we're playing Ohio, Monmouth, and Livingston. So Ohio beating them, that's a long shot. It's not supposed to happen. It's really a money game for them. So hopefully we're just competitive and uh, don't get injured and put out a, a good show. But Monmouth is winnable, winnable and Livingstone, should, we should win that game. So be interesting 2017, man. Any thoughts on 2017? Well, um, first thing on Maynard, he definitely will be back. Hampton never pays out contracts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can. Uh, Harvey is not paying you out. <laughs> you know, if you got a couple <laughs> years left, he's just gonna let you sit and stew. <laughs> um, I, as far as staff changes, I don't believe. It. Um, I don't see any issues with the staff. I think actually, Manor has a great staff there. I just don't think that in certain positions they had the right personnel. Um, we do need a wide receiver, linebacker, kicker, and a punter. Um, if we think first about quarterback, you know, we did see Keon Marsh there. He did come in, um, I guess, as kind of like spot spot duty when uh, J.J. Williamson went down. Um, and you know what? He's he showed some poise, you know. In yeah, the pocket. he did. He did. He he did throw a few picks that were not up up to up to par. And um, sometimes it looked like his arm fluttered when he threw long. But you know, he shouldn't be shouldn't have arm issues at six foot three you know, almost 200 pounds. But um, the kids seem, I would say, um, uh, somewhat um, sensible to the fact that I think he could probably be a starting quarterback next year. But I would need to see more. As far as wide receivers, you know, I know we had Wesley Wolfolk. You know, he kind of played, you know, spot duty. You know, he kind of came in. Every, you saw him every few games or so. Um, he does have some ability, but that's all that I know that's on the roster. And we do have number 16. Uh, um, it fails me. Uh, Ronald Ronald something. You Bell. Know? Bell. The little Ronald guy. Bell. Yeah, he's like, what, five, six? Five. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not really. He's, I mean, he's more of a special teamer. <laughs> And but outside of that, I do I have no idea who Hampton will play at that position. You know, receiver last year was a very heavy position because you had Proctor, you had uh, Shorter, of course Mixon, and Alonzo. Yeah, Alonzo. So now you know you're thinking about you know these freshmen that they brought in Noah Boone, Tylon Patterson. You know. Will these kids be ready next year? And my question is, that will be a long shot. So it'll probably be on a transfer market. Um, as far as linebackers, you know, I mean, hopefully David Van Dyke will come back. Um, I do like Devan Johnson. You know, he was uh, number 43, you know, nice. Uh, I mean, kind of a little bit undersized player. But, you know, he actually um, stepped up and had some really good plays, you know. And is Stephen, uh, was it Stephen Smith, is he coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Steven, Steven, Steven Smith, I thought was a very was a, a very valuable piece. Uh, you know, we do have some linebackers there. We also have a lot of younger kids there. You know, Jordan Edwards and uh, J- Jason Davidson. You know, those are you know those are some pretty good players. And I was really, really, re- I was really impressed with Steven Smith. So hopefully. You know, that will get better. Um, as far as kickers and punters are concerned, I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, we do have a special teams coordinator, so I don't worry about that position as much because we are devoting a lot of time to it. So, I mean, I think if we play it right, we play it right. You know, if we get a, a quarterback or if it's Marsh, 
Or if it's that young kid that came in from uh, South Carolina, uh, it, it fells. <laughs> what's the kid's name? Oh, Brendan Green. If oh, it's Marsh, yeah. If it's Marsh Green or any other transfer or, or another recruit that we bring in, you know, if they have the poise for it, then like just like the kid in um, Tallahassee with Ryan Stanley, you know, if we find lightning in a bottle of QB, you know, we need to play this guy. Um, same with wide receivers. You know, you have to bring them in early so they could play in the spring game. So if there if there are transfers, so they can get acclimated to the system. And um, I just feel that uh, this is a very crucial year because, just like you said, the MIAC is wide open. If we get the right chemistry, we can actually win. It might be one of those seasons where yeah, Morgan State won the MIAC. And they were like, what, five and six, you know. Every team was like five and six and six and five, you know. Yeah. It might be one of those years, and that will probably save everybody. Um, as far as the schedule next year, from what we know, Ohio, Monmouth, and uh, Livingstone. Of course, Ohio is a money grab game. And Ohio, I think, has been pretty competitive the past couple of years. So, you know, I mean, that's just something just to get a paycheck. Monmouth, I've been there, you know. They are, I would say, a, a you know middle-of-the-road program similar to Hampton, and it's definitely a winnable game. Unfortunately, if it is in Monmouth, it will be a very hard game to play because I just think that they have uh, considerable fan support. Um, as far as Livingstone, I don't know why we picked Livingstone. I think Virginia State would have been a much better draw, especially for alumni you know, in that area. But, you know, I don't do the schedules. Hmm. So I just, I do think that, uh, and looking at the MEAC, you know, I do think that uh, we, um, some of these games aren't gimmies anymore. Savannah State is not a gimme. I mean, I, mean, I wonder Savannah, if they're going to be on the schedule next year because somebody's so. going to drop off, right? Yeah, if they, if they rotate off, it would definitely either be Savannah State and we would probably grab a, a North Carolina Central or a Bethune. Yeah, we're going to pick up Bethune and Savannah and drop. No, pick up Bethune and uh, Central. Maybe drop. Yeah. And we probably will drop, of course, Savannah, maybe FAMU. Yeah. But, but, I mean, yeah. And the people that we're bringing on, I mean, even though Bethune had a down year, you can never count them out. And same way with Central. Central, even though they will probably lose a lot of pieces, they're still North Carolina Central. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, this will be a very critical year, you know, for Mana because J.J. Williamson, I mean, is gone. Twan Mixon is gone. Rose's players are not on this roster anymore. <laughs> so yeah. we, can't, yeah. we can't say that. So it's going to be interesting next year. Yeah, he's got to win. And but, you know, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year. Put it that way. <laughs> for the yep. Wow. OK, well, man, yeah, we, we, I think we broke down the football team. Uh, this year, um, we'll, we'll be talking about them in the, in, during the off season as things uh, progress. Um, so now let's move on to the MEAC postseason. So Central North Carolina Central that is is the out they are the outright champions of the MEAC. Finished eight and zero in conference, lumped up uh, North Carolina A and T in that final game. Their prize was a trip to the Celebration Bowl, Bowl to face Grambling. Uh, unfortunately, Central lost that game nine to ten. Now nine to ten isn't an is is not an exciting game, but I think it was a well played game. I, I watched and I was entertained, and I wasn't. It wasn't a lot of like it was just good defense, I think, and good schemes, and the players were well prepared. They looked the part, so I think it was a good production by the teams, but it just seemed like it was more defensive and it was well played. Um, game was close all the way through. A lot of drops, you know, some butterflies, but. Um, that the game could have been actually bigger for, for North Carolina Central. They could have won, actually, if they made some more plays. Um, the ironic thing, though, is uh, North Carolina probably lost the Celebration Bowl due to a, due to a celebration. So it actually uh, got an unsportsmanlike penalty after catching a touchdown, which pushed them down 9-10 to 10 with like two minutes to go. But the kid who caught the touchdown took his helmet off and uh, was penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct. That pushed the extra point back, changed the trajectory of the kick. It was blocked, and that was pretty much the game. Um, so, unfortunate way to lose a game. I don't think the refs 
had to call that game. I mean, I've been watching some of these bowl games, and people celebrate. You know, it's kind of up. They're supposed to call it, but you got to use some discretion uh, when you call that penalty. And I've seen guys celebrate, and it hasn't been called, especially in the damn celebration bowl. So I think they could have let that go. Um, but yeah, Grambling, they're a pretty good team. They've got some talent. Um, but you know, Central fought their heart out, but lost that game. Another side note, excellent production by ESPN. The whole thing, they dedicated like this morning sports center and stuff to that game. So it was a pretty well put together production by ESPN and ABC. So props to them for that. Um, but yeah, good game and unfortunate for the MEAC and North Carolina Central. Hey, how much of that game did you catch, man? Actually, I caught the whole game and <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know, I, I was actually really impressed with the game. You know, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, the production um, quality was there, um, and they treated this game like they treated every other bowl game, which you know I was really impressed with. Um, as far as the game is concerned, um, it did feel that the stage was a little bit too big for North Carolina Central, even though they did. I mean, their defense basically um, they played a great game. You know, same mm-hmm. way with Grambling, they both played great games. And North Carolina Central's uh, offense has never been, I would say, a huge juggernaut. But they were at least, they were a very efficient offense, you know, all throughout the MEAC. <clears throat> and uh, Grambling's offense was like the high-powered attack where they were putting up close to 35 to uh, 35 points a game. I think they were averaging that much. And But this thing, though, the way, I mean, A&T, I mean, not A&T, North Carolina Central actually, played well enough to dominate the game. I mean, it's just their offense did not come to play. And unfortunately, at the end where the receiver did catch a very beautiful touchdown pass and uh, had a crazy uh, celebration, which cost them uh, a penalty. And if you recall, that was the same receiver who dropped a touchdown pass on Mm -hmm. the first drive of the game. And that was a gimme. And when I say gimme, he had at least about six steps on the guy, on the nearest defender, and he dropped it. And my thing is, though, Jerry Mack, um, I know he he's an excellent coach, but he probably did not prepare his players well enough for that stage. Because when it came to that point, it, that that's a discipline call. Even though I know that refs could be uh, <clears throat> discretionary, but would it have been fair had they not called it, you know, and I can see Broderick Bob being angry. So, no, I think it was the right call. I also think that um, you should know, you should know better than take off your helmet. I mean, run to the sideline, run to the yeah. sideline and celebrate. <laughs> you know, I mean, my thing is you should be penalized for being stupid. And I don't <laughs> want to call, I don't want to call the young man stupid. He just, it was just youthful exuberance. And I think that youthful exuberance is a great learning lesson for him for the rest of his life. You know, he can look back on it and laugh, but you won the MEAC. It's okay. Let it go. So as far as that's concerned, you know, <clears throat> and, and, you know, let's just not boil it down to this uh, this penalty anyway, because North Carolina Central missed a lot of kicks <clears throat> anyway. So They should have won the game. They, they should have won, won the game. game. So I mean, we could sit here and just harp about this young this young man, but no, that kicker missed a lot of kicks and they got a lot of kicks blocked. So yeah, yeah. So celebration bowl. Do you consider this uh, a success? Uh, year two. You know, um, you know what? I think that the very first year, um, um, the very first year um, when I saw. Uh, Alcorn and of course Auntie. I think Tariq Coleman just put on a heck of a show, and I always thought that you know it needs star powers for it needs stars for this game to be to to go over well. But after watching Grambling, you know Devonte Kincaid, you know he was a star in his own right, and I think that there were if you looked at the stands, the stands were pretty. You know it looked like a decent crowd. It outdrew a lot of other bowl games. Mm-hmm. And television rating ratings wise, it was it was a success. So I will say that um, I will say that uh, it was a success for both the MEAC and the SWAC. And 
I guess that leads into the next question, you know, what uh, would I rather be in the FCS championship or would I be would I, would I rather be in the celebration bowl? Now, it depends. If Hampton is I would say is beating other FCS programs outside of the MEAC and SWAC. If they're beating them down, yeah, I want to be in the playoffs because I feel that okay, we can compete on that level. But if we're beating down uh <laughs> We're beating, if, we're, if we're beating down Savannah States and Morgan States and losing to even Mary's by 30s, no, I don't want to go to the FCS playoffs because that's nothing more of an ass-whipping. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's just being honest, you know. It, it, it would not make sense because, you know, why, I mean, why subject yourself to it? And, you know, and I prefer the playoffs, but, I mean, at the end of the day, if our team, okay, A&T deserved to go to the playoffs because they beat a FBS opponent. And, you know, they, they beat another uh, quality FCS program. They deserve to go. I mean, Hampton, you know, we lost to William & Mary, you know. And, you know, we consistently lose to, you know, the James Madisons of the world, you know, the, the uh, Coastal Carolinas, you know, the... Uh, I'll say the Charleston Southerns, you know, you know, we have not beat any of those programs, so we don't deserve to go to an FCS championship, FCS playoff. So, no, until we could do that, I'd rather just win the MEAC and go to the Celebration Bowl because it's not worth it. You know, if I can get a bigger check just to go on ESPN, you know, I would do that. But at the same time, if, uh, if I feel that that team is competitive, yeah, Let's go to the playoffs and test ourselves against those competition. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if, if given our current funding and competitiveness, I think the Celebration Bowl is the apex. But if we were somehow able to finance our programs to actually compete in the playoffs, then I would rather play in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I would rather be JMU this week preparing for a national title than rather than winning the Celebration Bowl. But that's, you know, unrealistic at this point in time. But, uh, yeah, so right now, let's win the Celebration Bowl. But hopefully we can find a way to get some, raise the funding and actually compete on a broader scale. So that's my, that's my wish. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and speaking of playoffs, speaking of A and T, speaking of beatdowns, um, A and T finished second in the conference, so they received an at-large at-large bid to face Richmond in the opening rounds of the playoffs. Uh, North Carolina A and T lost to Richmond thirty-nine to ten. They lost in ways that we always lose to teams in the playoffs. We were basically outmanned, outcoached, outprepared. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> prepared. So yeah, it was it was the same old stuff. I mean, if you've seen one loss, you've seen them all. So it was uh, pretty uninspiring and unfortunate. But good season for them. Oh yeah, definitely a great season for them. Um, I will just say this too. I mean, Morgan um, North Carolina A&T does have a lot of weapons. Virginia. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, not Virginia. Richmond. You know. They don't have the dynamic player as a Tariq Cohen or, you know, even the receiver that A&T has. You know, they didn't have those players. But what they do have, I would say, is if you looked at those players at Richmond, you know, <laughs> I mean, they 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 look fit. You know, A&T mm-hmm. does not. I mean, they look fit too, but not like not like Richmond. You know, I, and sometimes I don't want to say they have better players. I just think that sometimes these matchups do not work because we do not play these teams consistently. I'm saying if we play, if we were to have been in a conference where we play Richmond every year, you can kind of get a feel for what the style of play is for the CAA. You know, MEAC just tries to run you over with speed or, you know, I mean, you can't have, you know, five foot six players running go routes all day. You know, eventually. <laughs> And that's why, and that's why I like Maynard's offense. Because remember, last year we actually had Richmond on the ropes, and it wasn't a yeah. fluke. I mean, they could not contain what we were trying to do, and that's because the offense is multiple. 
and they execute. And they, like you said, it's not like four go routes <laughs> with a bunch of five nine guys. I mean. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know that's why I think Maynard's offense, you know, just like what you said, it is a perfect, perfect fit. But unfortunately, and I will say this too. Um, when we played, I think, was it Western Carolina at Western Carolina? They had this quarterback. I think he was like a six foot six, uh, just had cinder block feet. Could not even move. Couldn't even get out the way. You know, just bad feet. You know, you know, his arm. I mean, he had a very, I would say, a, very, a decent arm, but he did one thing well. He could put the ball, he knew how to read, um, read routes and read defense as well. And he didn't even have a great arm. He just put the ball where the ball needed to go. And that caused so many problems for our linebackers who and our, our defensive backs who basically were just trying to cut routes, you know, jump routes. And he just made them pay all day long. So when when an FCS team that is not in the Mieka SWAT can do one thing well, they will exploit it to the hills. Yep. Indeed. So uh, that's what happened to A&T, man. It was an unfortunate game. So I think that's pretty much uh, a wrap-up of the football season, man. It's basketball season, so we got some quick updates on on basketball. Um, women's basketball—they're playing well right now. They started out uh, 0 4, I think. They lost uh, four straight games, but they're playing a lot better now. They're six and three in their last nine um, since they're playing more playing more even competition. Again, being led by Malia Tate Defridis at 17 points per game. She's not shooting well. She's only shooting 32 percent from the floor. 30% from three-pointer, 65, but she's a volume shooter, keeps them in the game. Kayla Lupo, she's also the defensive uh, threat and rebounding threat for the team. She leads the team in rebounds at almost seven a game, averages two blocks per game. So she's all over the place. I watched that Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast game, uh, and, and, and we lost that game. But, I mean, Gulf Coast is a good competitive team, and we – um, should have won that game and we're in it. But I, that just showed me that we'll be fine for me at play because of the the core concept uh, for six is there, the defense. So I think we'll be okay because they play defense. And only problem is just generating enough offense and consistent offense to, to win games. But I think they'll be okay. They're moving in the right direction. And I think they should or could win the MIAC. But the MIAC's con- you know, is competitive. Uh, for the women this year, so it's going to be tough, but I think they they can do it. Uh, have you caught any of the other teams in the MIAC or any of the, any of the women's games? You know what? I have not, and it's just well. I mean, I'm sorry. I have a I have a, a young little firecracker in this house that just, <laughs> that's right <laughs> that keeps me away from it. You know, but yeah. what I do is I do follow the uh, follow them um, follow the stats online. I do follow the uh the game presentations online whenever whenever there's a game i just you know can't get to a computer quick enough but i will do say i will say this um it does appear that malia tate defritas you know her her field goal average is definitely off you know it looks like she uh she's attempted uh what 56 three pointers only made 17 you know that's yikes. just you know that is yikes you know um, Kayla Lupo, on the other hand, you know, she has, I would say she stepped up somewhat, you know, I mean, she, she's good, you know, man. Yeah, she is good, you know, almost a 50% uh, um, average uh, percent uh, percentage uh, from the floor, you know, you know, making half or almost half of her shots, you know, that is very good. You know, Jeffany Brown and Kaylin Will- Willis, you know, they pr- provide, I would say, some depth at the at the positions but you know um i do think that 
the women's team pr- pretty much is a battle-tested team, especially with um, with uh, uh, Defritis on the floor. You know, you know, I mean, and a game plan for her. And I think you know, if you've watched her in the past, you know, sometimes you see almost three defenders on her. You know, and you know I, that's just so advantageous for the rest of the offense. So. I mean, I do think that six does have a, a, a few tricks up his of his sleeve as as we get into conference play. So, I mean, I know we know we have a uh, uh, and T will be in town tomorrow, you know, <laughs> and um, I think that this game right here will be, I think, a very first test for the Lady Pirates and um, a lot. But we all do have our eyes on that Delaware State matchup coming up, the Savannah State matchup. And especially um, watching uh, Howard come um, come come into the convocation center because I think those are to be the teams that you know really will give us a really uh, really hard time this year. Yeah, yeah, they got to work for it. I mean, the, the the league is competitive, man. So it'll be some good basketball. Uh, quick update on the men's team. Now, the men they're three and ten. Uh, the record isn't pretty. Uh, two of those wins are over Division Two schools. Their other win was a good win uh, over William and Mary, um, so that was a good one for the team. Um, they have been pretty co- relatively competitive. I mean, it's kind of loser talk, but you know they've been competitive in, in most of their games, and um, you know they just need better defense, shot selection, and maturity. So. All that leadership they have from last year is gone, and this shows. I remember last year, man, like watching the team struggle last year, and Maynard wouldn't call a timeout. He wouldn't be barking out orders. He would just say, hey, y'all handle it. Because we had, you know, Reggie and um, Chivas and uh, Darden. I mean, those guys would just figure it out. This team is not there yet. I mean, need a lot of caring and feeding and holding and, burping i mean they're babies so i mean and it looks like it on the court so i think they got a lot of growing up to do and they're they're taking their lumps now but i think they'll be better for it uh, but they're talented and you know watch the games you can see it but it's just something's missing which is i think it's experience and chemistry um, but i expect them to play better in conference but not that much better because the conference is good um, and they'll be exposed and some of the weaknesses will be exposed but i think they will be better and more competitive as the season rolls along, um, especially you know when they got to play teams like Central. I mean, Central is going to expose them because they are a good team. I mean, they are flat out a good team, and um, everyone's going to have troubles with them. But I think they'll get better, man. What what, what do you see uh, for the prospects of the men this year? You know what? The competition will, I guess, will come back to earth. And I do think that um, we will see at least somewhat of a better um, a, a better performance by the men. Um, but we do have some uh, very tough uh, opponents coming up. I mean, quick. You know, South Carolina State, you know, they've never been a pushover. They actually took us all the way down to the wire, you know, in mm-hmm. the MEAC tourney. And, uh, of course, North Carolina Central will be – in Hampton on a Monday night for ESPNU game, you know, and, you know, Lavelle Moton's going to have that team humming. So, and plus, and we got uh, Howard coming in on uh, February 11th on that's a Saturday game. So, you know, and this is, and Nickelberry really wants this game because James Howard, you know, and this is a hometown crowd for him because he's a Phoebus kid. So, um, you know, hey, let's hope have, he's back. Let's hope he's back for that game. He's he's still hurt, right? Well, well, yeah, he's definitely hurt. You know, but that's a product of Nickelberry. You know, he's like Captain Blood. You know, run him into the ground, why, man. Yeah, run him into the ground. You know, and this is why his teams never are competitive. You know, if you play, if you coach like you are a, I would say a a slave driver, then this is what happens. You know? <laughs> so wait, wait no, you don't you don't think he's softened since his time at Hampton? You know what? I hope he has for his sake, you know, you know employment-wise, you know. But, I mean, I mean, you can't, like, you you cannot. I mean, just, like, I've spoken to a few of his players at the barbershop. And, you know, they just complain, like, man, these practices are too grueling. The practices are worse than the games. So by the time you, the game comes around, you know, you don't want to play. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if that's the case and he's still been, you know, nothing has changed. Um 
But I will just say this as far as the men are concerned, you know, uh, some of these players, I just think that, you know, I think we definitely lack experience. If the leader of your team is, uh, was it Lawrence Cooks? Yeah, then, that's all bad, you know, man. That's all yeah, bad. I, 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 and, but we're not saying Lawrence Cooks is a bad guy. No, like, not at all. No. You know, he he just wasn't a leader, you know, last year. So, I mean, and I think we do have a lot of youth on this team. Jermaine Merrill, of course, is the, the young and budding star. But, you know, you do have Ogburns, who I think is kind of like a tweener between a power forward and a and a forward, you know, we still kind of have not figured out what he is. Then you have A.J. Astroff, you know, who I think is a, a pretty talented player, but, you know, he's limited. Um, um, li- he's limited, you know. And, of course, Trayvon Barnes is a great athlete, but still haven't, hasn't found his shot. But, you know, we have talent on this team. I just think that we just have not found the actual vehicle or the actual chemistry that actually brings them all together. So, but it's still time now. Um, I do think that we probably probably will be a middle of the pack MEAC team this year. Agree. Yeah, I'm looking at this team the way I looked at uh, North Carolina Central last year. It was clearly a rebuilding year. Yeah, but this year that talent is gelled. They got some new guys in to kind of supplement and plug some holes. So I'm I'm looking at this year to be North Carolina Central's last year for the Pirates, and I think next year will be the year where they are, you know, competing again for a championship. I mean, season's not over, but clearly we can see some trends early on. So I think we just need to be patient and uh, give Joyner some time to build the team back up. He's he'll do it. He'll get it right. Um, so yeah, basketball season's kicking off. A&T uh, this week, uh, men and women, so that'd be a good test for the Pirates, man. So, man, hey, good first show of the 2017, man, and uh, we shall be back to discuss the Pirates. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, go Pirates. <laughs>